All right, today on the show, Eric and I recap the football game that we got to call, which was Balls. Then we discuss some of the can't-miss TV shows that are out there in the wake of the Season 5 release of Cobra Kai. Then Glenn Merzer joins us to rant on people's excuses and their, well, half-assed efforts. Then we are joined by the brilliant and beautiful Dr. Angie Sadegi, who takes us through what happens to your body when you eat poorly, what happens when you eat well, and why erectile dysfunction means bad things. But first, let me tell you about Next Wave. Yeah, Next Wave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. Next Wave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. Next Wave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all of the time. Get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded way back in 1998, it's Next Wave Services. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food with a plant-based spin. I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and the rest, here is a man who has never put ketchup on a hot dog, Rich Reynolds. Well, hello, hello, and what is up? And welcome on in to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. We are going a little shorthanded today, much like the rest of the workforce in the United States that is shorthanded on a daily basis. Dude, we are shorthanded, shorthanded like my fantasy football team. Yeah, oh. your fantasy football team got decimated. By the way, Dude, you know what? You know what people that. love hearing about other people's yeah, fantasy no, football right. team. No one gives a goose. <laughs> That's why that's all I was going to say about it. At all. So welcome on in. I am Rich Reynolds. He is Eric Rogers. You can find him at Eric Rogers Brand. You can find me at R-M-E-P Rich. And if Sarah Carlson was here, you could find her at News Sarah. We'll have to do like a a Where's Waldo, but instead we'll do a Where's Sarah because she is missing in action right now. So the way that we're going to do this show today, yeah, so it's no news today. So we have no news to talk about at all. It'll just be us talking back and forth, and then Glenn Merzer's rant, and then we're going to bring in Dr. Angie Sadegi, who, by the way, um, is not only very easy on the eyes, very easy on the ears, and a super smart doctor as well, who goes out there and wins bikini competitions at the age of 49. I mean, she is absolutely... Fantastic no joke. Yeah. And she, I mean, uh, it, the, the most amazing thing is like I take a picture of Dr. Angie Sadegi and I show it to my son who is 22 <laughs> and an athlete. And even at 22, he's like, whoa. I'm like, yeah, whoa. <laughs> whoa is right. And so Fine. good for her. And, and not only that, I mean, she's super smart. She is a, a gastroenterologist and a practicing one at that. And so we're going to have a chance um, to talk Dude, with her. I, so I tell you, the most impressive part about that is the age situation. Because when you're 22, everybody can be lean. Absolutely. That's easy. Yep. Like you're, you know system is just running all-time highs like just burning through calories and you know when you start getting older and slowing down like the work that you were putting in before is just like maintenance yeah forget about it i mean you're just you're just not going to get there so anyways um you can find us realmeneplants.com subscribe to the podcast like us there all of that kind of good stuff hit the support button and help us out and also help out paul's party you could take the 30-day challenge also read all the blogs uh, find us on youtube as well on our youtube channel and here we go wanted to recap for you so we haven't had a chance to talk about this i did my 9 11 call with hadas yesterday um which i found super interesting i hope everybody else did too um and then i want to at least talk about this stuff while it's fresh because i i omitted a fact from 21 years ago that i probably should have remembered it's easy to do yeah yeah and so i'm like okay let's let's talk about some of this stuff while it's fresh so anyways we had the chance um, you and I, and also a guy by the name of Mark Martinez, who was a uh, University of Wisconsin Badger quarterback, to call a college football game. 
um, over the weekend. It was on Saturday, and we were at Whitewater, Wisconsin. Um, UW-Whitewater, in case people don't know, is a D3 football powerhouse. Um, and when I mean powerhouse, I mean they've won six national championships um, over the last, like, what is it, 13, 14 years, something over over yeah, that they, stretch. 38 uh, conference championships. Like, if, if, if you are naming the top three teams in D3, you – have to include UW-Whitewater. UW-Whitewater is definitely included in that. And so they were hosting. They were ranked number six in the country. They had previously lost the week before to the now or what was then the fourth-ranked team in the country, St. John's. And so now they come home and they have to host the number one team in the country and defending national champion in Mary Hardin-Baylor, a team that, by the way, beat Whitewater last year in the semifinals. And so we're calling the game. There's 14,000 fans there, by the way, in a stadium that I think the capacity they list at like 12.5 or something like that. Um, so they were packing the Perk. It's called Perkins Stadium. They had a huge crowd on hand, beautiful day for football, and the game just kept going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, Whitewater won it in the last few seconds on a, an amazing touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone. I went crazy. Um, if you follow me on social media, you could see it and watch it. You were our sideline reporter. I thought you did a fantastic job. And uh, we had this rack tag bunch of people though we had to put this game together in less than like 13 days now if it was radio tell them the timeline tell them timeline of what we wanted to plan for okay so i started planning for this event and for this game in november of 2021 right it's 2022 now yeah okay so we're talking about nine months ago or 10 months ago you know something like that okay and it was less than two weeks before the kickoff where the station let me know, hey, can we do that game and you know maybe uh, <laughs> put it all together? I'm like, what the hell? Now, if it's radio, for people who don't understand broadcasting, radio, you could tell me two hours before the event, and I'll get there, and I could call the game. All right, I just need a, a headset, a Comrex. I'll plug into a phone line even if I have to and get something back to the studio, and we could call a game on the radio just like that. However, television requires tons of moving parts. So we're doing an over-the-air broadcast for basically all of southern Wisconsin, parts of like western Iowa, northern Illinois. That's what the the actual signal covers. I mean, it covers like a million households within this thing. And so we know we're going to have people watching this thing. And you need to have people that are working in the truck. You have to have a truck, first of all. Then you have to have people working in the truck and cameras. And, you know, you have to have an engineer and you got to have people back in the studio and you have to have announcers and all of this stuff has to work which is really hard to do as well <laughs> and that's not even the coordination with the SID uh, right. information director yeah. and all that stuff it's it's a, I mean it's a production I mean if TV's coming out to do a game it's a production and it's nothing like our productions nothing that like when ESPN comes out and then they have an entirely different kind of a crew and then they have you know a bunch of graphics people and first and ten it's called that's that yellow line that you see on the field the blue line's like the line of scrimmage. The yellow line is the first down line. That's called first and ten. By the way, it costs amazing amount of money to do that kind of stuff like per game. It's it's a ridiculous amount. So we can't afford something like that. We're putting together a ragtag bunch. We did not have a full crew, by the way, until it was Friday, 11 o'clock for a Saturday noon kickoff. I finally got the entire crew together Friday at 11 p.m. So I got a little bit of sleep. We did the game. It was awesome. It was it was one of the best games I've watched football since the I was a little best. kid. I, that's got to be the best. It, it, was, it was one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. It was it was that good. It was a special game for sure. And, <laughs> and if you're uh, a Wisconsin sports fan, it was the best Wisconsin football game of the weekend. You oh, the yeah. It, losing, in the state the by losing, far. They, yeah. You know. Yeah, Packers got trounced. The uh, the Badgers lost by. I mean, they kept turning the ball over and over and over, and so it was a pretty bad weekend. So unless you watch that game and were rooting for the Warhawks, um, it was a bad weekend for you, football wise, in, in in the state of Wisconsin. It definitely was. So, uh, but anyways, the the football game turned out amazing, and we got some incredible calls out of it, and beautiful video, and everybody did. I I thought just a wonderful job, and so it was really exciting. And I'm still kind of buzzing from it. And <laughs> should so, we? I should almost like we should almost encourage people like, hey, go uh, go email the GM of the station to tell yeah. them go like, well, get us another one. Let's do it. It, it looks like you know tomorrow I'm going to meet with them and we're going to do a couple more. And so cool, we absolutely great. Should. 
Yeah, I mean, we should be doing a whole season's worth. We do an, an awesome job at it. So hopefully some of you out there got to check it out. And um, if not, um, you know, there's always a way to get a link and just follow us on social media because I think we both posted the uh, the winning football, you know, the uh, touchdown play. And it was it was fantastic. Everything was, was really good. And so this whole weekend, I've been, like, super busy. I worked a couple Badger um, soccer <laughs> you games. You finished that football game and you went to hockey. I went to a hockey game. I had to do a hockey game the same exact day. So I had to drive all the way from like Whitewater to Middleton, which in case you don't know in Wisconsin, I mean, it's, it's well over an hour of, of driving. I mean, it was it, it was a crazy day. And so I don't care. Have Mike will travel. Put me in front of a microphone. <laughs> I'll say something and I'll, I'll keep on talking. And so um, I did that. Worse, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, I was busy all friggin weekend long, but it was it was wonderful. I mean, it was all sports related stuff and, and all great stuff. And then what? kind of was bumming me out because my son kept bothering me about it. He's like, Dad, Cobra Kai came out on Friday. When are we going to watch it? Cobra Kai, Dad, Cobra Kai. And we finally got, like, to the first two episodes. I'm not going to do any spoilers because I hate when people do that kind of stuff. But I love the show. Now, the show, if you don't know, it started out on something called the YouTube channel which I guess doesn't really exist anymore. So there is YouTube, like you could buy a package that's kind of like having cable TV at home. It's a right, streaming yeah, service. YouTube TV. Yeah, but there was a YouTube channel, and they were doing original programming, and so they did Cobra Kai, which if you don't know, is like a follow-up like to um, all the Karate Kid movies that were out in the, uh, in the 1980s, which I loved and I, I grew up on. And so anyways... Um, this Cobra Kai, nobody really watched when it was on the YouTube channel. It looked like it was going to die. And then COVID happened. And during COVID, people found it on Netflix. And that's where the, this YouTube channel product ended up going. And it became like a super smash hit. And it's not that it's particularly well done or well written or well acted, but it's like cheesy enough, like just the right amount of cheesy. And then there's always like some crazy twist. And then, you know, all the main characters are there except for Mr. Miyagi, who has been dead, you know, for, for years. So um, it, it's a great I tell show. You, man, that was, that was one thing out of COVID was the, the arts, uh, uh, you know, TV, movies, all that stuff became like, you know, we found some crown jewels out there. We did. Well, I ended up, you know, finding that and like totally binge watching that. My son and I, during COVID, like the first couple of weeks where everybody was like shut down, we rewatched every Star Wars and Marvel movie in order. So, like, in the actual order. <laughs> it was it was pretty crazy. Like, like we even did, like, the Star Wars thing, like, in sequential order, like, as the timeline would go. Right. So you right. got, like, the first three, and then you got to watch, like, I forget where Solo comes in. or And then I think it's Solo, then Rogue One. Let me, or, let me ask you yeah. this. Yeah. Did you watch the, I don't want to, what do you call them? Not the, like, anime, but, like, the CGI ones, like, Clone Wars and, like, like no. every you know, single one? No. Okay. I've been trying to get so into those. Are you, yeah. Does that make you less of a Star Wars fan? <laughs> Probably. I, I can't watch it all. I mean, do you realize how much stuff is out That's there? That's what I'm saying. It <laughs> would take forever, forever to do it all. Now, I have watched all of the, the Mandalorian, which I think is a fantastic yes, show. Yes, um, absolutely. The Book of Boba Fett, which wasn't that good. Well, um, they had to bring back Mando for that. Um, yeah, I well, that, sure that, that was the best I hesitated because I wasn't sure if that's a spoiler. Is that yeah, a spoiler it, it's not really a spoiler, point? but, like, in the middle of the Boba Fett season, there's, like, an episode of The Mandalorian because that's basically what it basically, is. Like, right. It's a Mandalorian and Grogu and uh, Ahsoka Tanu and Luke Skywalker. All, you got to give the people stuff. what they want. Yeah. It is in there. It was fantastic. It was one of the best episodes of The Mandalorian ever, but it was in the middle of, this is, uh, of the uh, Book of Boba Fett. Tank. We, we should have got a back-to-tank this weekend. That's, I think, what you need after <laughs> getting, I think so. you know, you need to get it, some rest. Then we had like like the Obi Wan Kenobi one was pretty good. There was Hell some yeah. good Obi Wan like Darth Vader stuff in there. And by the way, if if people have seen you on YouTube, um, Eric, if you don't go as Obi Wan Kenobi this year as your costume for Halloween, um, you're, you're, you're got, missing out. <laughs> oh my God! So this you is are young Obi Wan. I have to get a, a picture of this up on social media because I found on Amazon like. Uh, obi-wan kenobi like all the all the fixings right like yes it doesn't it, i mean it didn't have the lightsaber but whatever it's the costume itself and i got it it was only like 70 dollars, but i figured that's a decent amount of money i got it dude i can tell you this like had to come from wish because it is like i need to stitch it up like it looks horrible it's uh -oh. just the colors are off and 
I mean, I'll figure out how to make it work. But you are going to be Obi-Wan, right? I, I will be Obi-Wan. You have to yes, be Obi-Wan. You have to. Exactly yeah. right. And I, I don't think anybody would ever argue that. But, yeah, we watched all the Star Wars, all of the, the Marvel stuff. I've watched every Marvel show, uh, except now, like, She-Hulk. I watched the first episode of She-Hulk. It was so bad that I have yet to watch the second episode of She-Hulk. And I think they're up to, like, four or five episodes now, so the series is almost done. And from what I've heard from people, it hasn't gotten any better. So have you been is, watching can, She-Hulk? I will say this. I I was working on some computers at the at the school, and it, it was, like, kind of on in the background. I'm really kind of keeping an eye on it while I'm working on these computers. And I'm watching the first episode, and I don't know. Can I say, like, a, I don't know. It's not really a spoiler. Anyway, so my thought was... You know, it took Bruce Banner, like, so long to finally, like, corral this animal inside him and to be able to, you know, uh, live both lives, you know, mm -hmm. I guess, uh, yeah, productive, productively. Right. Uh, but then somehow in the very first episode, She-Hulk figures out how to, like, be both people, like, easily. Like, that doesn't, I mean, something doesn't seem right about well, that. Well, here's, here's, here's what I think about that, and I think it is the difference between men and women. So I can make an argument that that actually makes sense to me because I think this. I'm like, okay, men that have a lot of anger issues can really identify with the Hulk. It's hard to compartmentalize those anger issues without it coming out in rage, which I think is like what the Hulk is like a metaphor for. Okay, but women, I think, are better at compartmentalizing. So they've actually done studies on this and <laughs> they, talked they about. They choose the times when they're going to release the rage. They, they really do. And, and women, I think, can do like this slower rage thing, you know, where if they're really mad at somebody and they want revenge on someone, they could let it burn for a long time. They could do they could plot things out that men would never think of. Men think, but then okay, is, is she dude, piss me off, dude, I <laughs> smash. And then, you know, then that's the end of it, you know, and. Um, you, you go back to being Bruce Banner again, but women will go in a different direction. And so I can make the argument that that's why She-Hulk was able to figure that out so quickly. Do you think that is the route that they went with that? Do you think that is an intentional oh thing? Oh, my God. That's I would think that Disney would think that that's misogynistic. I would actually think that it's it's a compliment that women well, have the ability to do that. I was just going to say, does that, make, yeah. does that make her more powerful than she is? Hulk then? Well, I would think that there's there's something about that that would make her more powerful. I'm not sure in the Hulk world, I guess that works in Marvel, if Hulk, the you know Bruce Banner one, is more physically gifted than the female She-Hulk. I, I, I don't know how true that is. But I thought she but was just basically like the Yankee Doodle. Like yeah, I don't know. wasted like too much of my time like i can get maybe doing one episode like that and then tipping it off a lot more in the second episode we only got like a little smattering in that second episode i'm like okay joke's over by the time we hit the third episode <laughs> you know and they're going into the whole brady bunch thing and i'm like enough's enough all right we we got it we get it okay wanda's freaking nuts let's let's move on um so anyways i hope that wasn't a spoiler um I'll say this, though, about TV. I think it's it's the best time to be alive for television because it used to be back in the day, TV shows were so low budget, and then the actors could never cross over to do movies. It was very rare because they weren't talented enough, I guess, to do it. There was different mm -hmm. levels of talent. But now movie actors want to do these these shows well, because they of the fact that they really then? get to – they. What's that? Did they have coaches back in, you know, oh, 50s, sure 60s and stuff? Oh, I'm sure that they did, yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, they did. But it, they, they just didn't cross over. You were either pigeonholed into TV or you were pigeonholed into movies. If you went from the movies to TV, it was like, oh, man, dude made a big step backwards, you know? Um, so, but nowadays, I mean, major movie stars will be in um, television shows. Heck, even Al Pacino was in a show um, that was on uh, Prime Video. I mean, it's, it, it's a fantastic time. Chris Pratt show, by the way, on Prime, um, I, I, I forget it now. Like, it got toasted by the critics. But the audience loves it. So if you look it up on uh, his new one, I, I forget what it's called. I started watching that one too. It's fantastic. I'm like, yeah, wow. isn't that funny though? Like the whole point of a critic is to kind of give an informed like summary of what this is and like is it, you know, actually like good by analysis. And then it's like, nah, dude, don't care. Just what what the audience wants. Like it's, it's right. ultimately what the people want. So well, I, I always think that that sometimes they go too snobby. It's kind of like beer snobs or wine right. snobs or something like that. Listen, most people are drinking beer because they want to have fun and, and get a buzz. They're not worried about mouth feel and the the bitterness and you know they're they're not going for the nose of it to see if they could tell if that's a Columbus hop or if it's some other kind of hop. And there's like they, most people just are drinking the freaking beer because they want it to taste good and they want to catch a buzz and. Have fun with their friends so if you're not judging it based on that like is it drinkable enough for me to drink three four or five of these to catch a buzz because there's then, a reason why college right. people are you know <laughs> drinking keystone right it, it, exactly you know um then then you're you're being too snobby for me i, I don't want to hear about it so i think that they really need to look at some of these things like they always rip comedies comedians famously hate comedies but the thing is i'm watching a comedy i'm not expecting the godfather i'm not expecting mm. some major miracle of motion picture i want to laugh and so if i laugh in this comedy then for me i rate it very high if well, i don't I mean, laugh yeah. I would, why do you think there's it's, movies like like airplane it's kind of just a big goofy movie you're not watching that because like you know but i laugh my ass or anything every like that, time Every yep. time. I mean, Airplane, Caddyshack, some of those movies from the 80s, by the way. This is Spinal Tap, which I think is the funniest freaking movie of all time. Uh, if you have not seen that, check that one out. Uh, you'll absolutely love it. But anyways, okay, we got to move on. We got some people to get to. We got Glenn Mercer coming in with his rant and then Dr. Angie Sadegi. So don't go anywhere as you are locked into the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. All right, here at the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, we need your help, and so does Paul's party. Being a brand-new podcast just trying to get its footing, we are asking that you help support our pod by going to our podcast page at realmeneatplants.com slash podcast and click the support button. When you do, not only are you helping us get our feet on the ground, you are helping to support Paul's party, a 501.c charity that raises money to help kids with physical disabilities get equipment to have some fun in their lives. Two great causes, one easy support button. Again, please find us at realmeneatplants.com slash podcast or on Patreon when you type Real Men Eat Plants into the search bar. Thanks for your support and for helping Paul's party. All right, back on the Real Men Eat Plants podcast right now, and it is a Tuesday. That means it is rant time as we bring in the author of Own Your Health and Food is Climate and also the host of the upcoming Glenn Merzer show. Here's Glenn Merzer with his weekly rant. What is up, Glenn? Hey, Rich. You know, I want to talk about the fact that sometimes people tell me that they're interested in the vegan diet and they ask me questions about it. So I tell them, you know, I, I tell them why I'm vegan. I explain the reasons. First of all, there's health heart disease, cancer, obesity, autoimmune diseases, diabetes. For all these diseases, you reduce your risk tremendously, in some cases practically to zero, with a low-fat, whole-foods, vegan diet. And then there's climate and the environment. I mean, animal agriculture is the leading cause of climate change. Industrial fishing is destroying the oceans. Grazing is destroying the land. CAFOs are environmental nightmares. And then there's pandemics. Virtually all pandemics, including COVID, could be traced to people eating animals. And then there's antibiotic resistance because of the prolific use of antibiotics in animal agriculture. We may be breeding superbugs so that in the future we won't have effective antibiotics. And then there's prolific water use. Animal agriculture uses up one third of all the fresh water in the world. There's food poisoning from E. coli and salmonella. 
There's cruelty to animals. I mean, pigs are kept in crates their whole lives. Chickens are debeaked with hot blades, kept in airless shelters, 30,000 of the, them in these giant dark sheds. Turkeys are bred to be so fat they can't walk. The cruelty of animal agriculture is hellish. It's unimaginable. And these are terrible conditions for people to work in, too. So I explain all these reasons to sympathetic listeners, and they say, Gee, Glenn, you know, you make some really good points. The vegan diet is definitely better for your health, no question. And I'm worried about my health. And, and for the environment, you know, I'm really an environmentalist. I love hiking. <laughs> and the climate, I'm so worried about the climate. And, and certainly for the animals, you know me, I'm a big animal lover. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try going meatless on Monday. Now, you really have to admire the strength of conviction of these echo warriors. <laughs> I mean, they're willing to eat like a human being for one day a week. <laughs> and, and what a wonderful approach this is to solving all our problems. All we need is one day a week for everything. For example, we have a terrible crime problem in this country. Cities like Chicago have a frightening murder rate. Isn't it time we institute... Don't shoot anybody Tuesdays. <laughs> so we've got needless Mondays. <laughs> Don't shoot anybody Tuesdays. And for Wednesdays, let's strengthen marriages and families all over America. We have too many broken homes. So on Wednesdays, I'd like to ask husbands throughout America to hold the hands of their spouses, their wives or their husbands. Look them in the eyes and take the vow. From now on, honey, I will never cheat on you on Wednesdays. All right. Nice. I mean, <laughs> that should really help to cement so many marriages, don't you think? So we've got meatless Mondays, don't shoot anybody Tuesdays, no cheating Wednesdays. And for Thursdays, I would look to the nation's gardeners <laughs> to help us out with turn off the friggin' leaf blowers on Thursdays. <laughs> One day a week, no leaf blowers. And on Fridays, let's look to our politicians, our mayors, our governors to institute graft-free Fridays. No stealing wow. or wasting taxpayer <laughs> dollars on Fridays. We'll have oh, good government really on Fridays. <laughs> yeah. So we got meatless Mondays, don't shoot anybody Tuesdays, no cheating Wednesdays, turn off the friggin' leaf blowers Thursdays, graft-free Fridays, and for Saturdays, Maybe some of the most malicious people in, a, in the country can make a contribution finally with no spam Saturdays, no spam emails, no spam phone calls. You just give us a break on Saturdays. And on Sundays, we can fight addiction. No using on Sundays. You don't have to take it one day at a time. Just take it one day a week. So... You know, the problem with meatless Mondays is that it makes it seem difficult to not eat dead animals. It's not difficult. Just like I don't shoot people seven days a week, I don't eat dead animals seven days a week. This isn't difficult. And does anyone really practice meatless Mondays? I mean, seriously, does anyone do this consistently? Could you imagine someone getting a phone call, hey, you want to go out for a pepperoni pizza? Oh, I can't. It's a matter of principle. I just I, I practice meatless Mondays. I can go tomorrow. I mean, who does that? So anytime someone tells you he's, he's trying meatless Mondays, call him up like three Mondays later and ask him what he had for lunch. Right. And he'll probably say, well, yeah, I know it was Monday, uh, but I didn't mean every Monday. I meant some Monday. <laughs> like whenever February 29th lands on a Monday. Mm. So there's nothing hard about eating human food seven days a week. Going meatless, that really shouldn't be the hard part. It's really easy. I think we all know what the truly hard part is going to be. The hard part is Thursdays dealing with the leaf blow. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Damn. Well done, Glenn. I love it. You know. Hell yeah. 
Catholics can't even get through Fridays in Lent without eating meat. Um, and if they can't do it, nobody can. I absolutely love it. Great stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to um, not using Sundays. So that'll be my, my one day off from, from hitting the crack I, I was pipe. saving up all my spam emails for Sunday. I know. I, I know. Yes. <laughs> Excellent stuff. I, I didn't hear you guys say anything about Wednesdays. No, 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 no. We're a little, no cheating Wednesdays. I, I, I can't do that, Glenn. I'm I'm sorry. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of principle. Absolutely. Hey, uh, great job, Glenn. Uh, again, uh, you, you could check Thank him you. out. Buy his books. Food is climate. Own your health. I got personal copies. They were signed. Maybe if you're nice to Glenn, you can get those as well. Otherwise, just go ahead and shop for him online and at Amazon and check out the brand new Glenn Merzer show that's going to be coming up Heck here yeah. pretty soon. We'll have more news about that, and you can stay tuned to RealManEplants.com and the RealManEplants.com podcast for all of the news on that one. Great job, Glenn. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Dr. Angie Sadegi is next. All right, if you've ever wanted to show off your plant-based lifestyle and do it in style, here's your chance. We have some of the most amazing t-shirts, hats, accessories, coffee mugs, and more at shop.realmeneatplants.com. We have statement t-shirts that will bring a smile to everyone's face. I love the I want tofu tonight tea. Plus, we have podcast teas, real women eat plants gear, real kids eat plants, and real people eat plants, just in case men, women, and kids didn't cover it all. We love you and love that you want to show off that healthy lifestyle of yours. Again, Check out our high-quality gear at shop.realmeneatplants.com and enjoy. Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. All right. Our guest today is an expert on human wellness. She is a double board certified integrative gastroenterologist. By the way, I practiced that a lot to make sure that I got that right. And a member of the American Society of Bariatric Physicians. Personally, when she switched to a whole food plant-based diet, she lost 30 pounds and said goodbye to fibromyalgia pain and eczema. She has put out fitness videos, authored the trifecta of health, competed in bikini competitions, and from what I have heard is one heck of a host throwing vegan parties please welcome to the real men eat plants podcast dr angie sadegi is here today Thank you so much for joining us today, Doc. You know, that, that last one actually comes from Doxy Bausch, who we've had on the show, and uh, who sent me a couple of t-shirts. I should probably be wearing one of those today. Uh, but uh, she really complimented your ability to throw a vegan party. So what goes into hosting the perfect vegan party in Southern California? Because I think that's quite a trick to pull off. A lot of yummy vegan food, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And some amazing vegan friends like Dotsie, silver yeah. Olympic medalist. She's just an amazing woman. You know, it's really, um, it's really cool when I get together with all these vegan athletes and physicians and all kinds of vegan people, I realize how lucky I am that I'm surrounded by so many open-minded minded, uh, people who are uh, selfless. They think about the environment. They think about the animals. They think about health. And um, it's just uh, really, I, I, I get this sense of gratitude when I have these vegan parties. And I get my community to get together. And of course, non-vegans are welcome. It's not just exclusively <laughs> for vegans, but we happen to have a huge population of vegan uh, people in this Southern California area. So, um, my friends uh, who attend the parties from out of town, they're like, you're so lucky you have all these vegans here. You know, they sometimes think they're the only ones in town for vegan. Uh, but yes, I'm very lucky that I'm surrounded by so many amazing um, vegans. 
Yeah, sometimes I feel that way. We actually come from Madison, Wisconsin is where we're broadcasting, so we're behind the cheddar curtain, and people think of cheese curds as a food group here in, in the state of Wisconsin. So, yeah, you know, I, I get that quite a bit where I think I'm like the, the lonely vegan that is out there. You know, you mentioned um, quickly uh, about being open-minded, and it does take a certain level of open-mindedness to become plant-based or vegan, doesn't it? Because it seems like everyone I want to talk to, there, there's pushback right away immediate pushback and i know even if i think of myself 10 years ago that pushback was coming from me um so it does take a certain level of open-mindedness doesn't it i agree you know we've all been raised with certain traditional traditions um we watched our grandparents great-grandparents um and our friends eat a certain way and suddenly for me in my 30s, I questioned everything I, I was taught about nutrition, and I questioned all all these traditions that were indoctrinated in my uh, lifestyle. And it's it takes a little bit of open mindedness because um, at first, in, having insecurities common to think perhaps I'm not getting all the vitamins I need. Am I getting enough protein? It is quite possible and common to have those feelings or those thoughts. As a physician, having had some nutrition background, uh, not much, but a little bit of nutrition training, it was a little bit easier for me to transition, not only because of my limited knowledge of nutrition, but also because I was witnessing horrible diseases while rounding at the hospital every day, encountering innumerable patients with chronic diseases like heart disease, kidney disease, liver disease, and diabetes, and of course, obesity is an epidemic at the moment. So think about how much I was seeing and realizing, well, what we're doing is not working for the general population. So why should we not question tradition? So, you know, and, and believe me, I grew up in a country, I immigrated to the United States from Iran when I was 13. So I, and, and in Iran, we don't eat very plant-based. It's very, um, the foods in, incorporate a lot of red meat, uh, chicken, um, and, and fish. So, um, you know, I grew up eating a lot of that. Plus, dairy was a common thing to be served on the dinner table in the form of yogurt. So anyway, I just, I questioned it all. And I thought, you know what, just because traditionally I've been this way, I'm not going to continue because obviously what we're doing is not working. Why should I repeat the same mistakes over and over again? And of course, I'm an ethical vegan. So the torture that animals endure uh, was one of the most uh, stimulating thoughts that helped me transition. Yeah, those those traditions can be pretty deep. You know, my dad is always the one that's telling me, and he's lived, now he's 71 years old, and that's the longest that any male in our family has lived. And he, you know, when, when I went vegan a, a few years ago, one of the first things he says is like, well, you know, I've eaten meat every day, and your grandfather ate meat every day, and his grandfather, and all, all that kind of stuff, and all through the ages. And I'm like, Dad, besides you, no one ever hit the age of 62. I mean, you were the first one, and the only reason why you're still standing is because you've had a patient maker and you beat the widow maker you have heart you know all, all kinds of surgeries and bypass and stints put in and i'm like otherwise you wouldn't be here either so maybe yeah. what you're doing isn't the right way to go and i love that you actually um you know phrase it like that because i think those traditions though sometimes too are hard to beat and that's where you get a lot of of pushback from so obviously if you know doctors i i think a lot of times they want to push drugs on you um, why do you think it is that doctors aren't getting the nutritional training that it seems like they should be getting? Because I've never had a doctor tell me, hey, why don't you eat more you know, fruits and vegetables? It's always like, well, I got this pill or this pill or this pill. And I'm like, eh, you know, you're, you're treating a symptom. You're not getting to the cure here. This is an excellent question, but let me come back to it because you brought up such an amazing point. So we have to go back to what you said okay. <laughs> about your father having you know, a pacemaker, this and that. So one of the things, Rich, that most people do not understand, and as a physician, I encounter every day, I just want to put it out there so whoever's listening it may be helpful. It's not about what age you live to. It's about your quality of life in the last 10 years um, or 20 years of your life. Um, 
it's not life when you're in and out of the doctor's offices, in and out of um, the hospital with heart failure, AFib on, you know, multiple blood thinners, um, stroke. Um, I mean, it's okay if you've had that, but it's. I, I just want you to know it's never too late to change your lifestyle. But what I'm saying is I, I see people in and out of dialysis, in and out of uh, the hospital, you know, multiple times per year um, being hospitalized and and it is, they don't really enjoy their quality of life. There's no quality of life. So if you prevent disease and you spend the last decade of your life active and not in the hospital, that should be the goal. It shouldn't be, you know, I live to be 80, big deal. How was your quality of life? So do you see what I mean? So a lot of people measure success as the age they died or the age they lived. To me, that's irrelevant because I've seen what people go through in the last couple of decades of their life. So anyway, going back to um, why doctors push pills. So it's an amazing question. And I think that that's something that hasn't been addressed accurately in the plant-based world. Look, I'm an I'm a ethical vegan and I am a health vegan and an environmental vegan. There is nothing more I want um, than people, every single person in this world to go vegan because we would have such a beautiful world out there. You will always need medicines. No matter how vegan you are, we will always need medicines. Medicines in conjunction with a good lifestyle will give you the ultimate health. So we're not here to convince people to not go to the doctor. We're not here to convince people to get off their pills. That's not the goal because let's just say you're out there going, that's right, I'm going to go vegan. I'm going to stop taking all my medicines. Well, that's not a good idea. You could have a heart attack or a stroke, right? So we're not anti-medicine. We're just saying a healthier lifestyle could lead to longer health. It could lead to longevity and a better quality of life. As a vegan, I can tell you just recently, I started on a cholesterol medicine just because, and I'm, believe me, I'm 100% plant-based. There's, I do not consume any animal products, but my liver, just like anybody else's liver, we make cholesterol and we have certain genetics that we can't control, right? So just recently, I talked to my cardiologist, Dr. Danielle Bellardo. Most people know her, you know, and, and I, we realized that, you know, I could decrease my risk of a heart attack if I could start on a stent, and I did. Hmm. So everything in life is a risk and benefit ratio, right? So you have to risk and benefit ratio and, and decide whether you want to be on a medicine or not. So doctors don't push medicines, but when they see a patient in a, in, in a clinic setting, they um, have to calculate sort of a risk factor for a heart attack, for a stroke, for a GI bleed, for whatever risk factors there are at the time that they're seeing that patient. Now, if the patient uh, expresses motivation in regards to weight loss or change of diet, dietary habits, then physicians usually refer to a dietitian or a fitness trainer, or somehow they try to help the person achieve those goals with the help of other practitioners. Like for example, I don't have, um, well, I'm not a dietitian, I'm a physician, right? I will mm -hmm. never be a good dietitian. So I work with PhD level um, dietitians who um, can teach someone over a span of an hour or two hours time how to change their diet. I, I can't do that, right? I'm a physician and I have other responsibilities that I have to engage in. And so it's too much for a doctor to have to discuss diet in addition to everything else we have to do, hmm. right? So I know physicians are constantly blamed for this why aren't they talking about diet? Number one, we're not supposed to. We're not dietitians, we're physicians. Number two, the lack of time. Right now, the insurance company reimbursements are so low that if a physician was able to, if I spent an hour with a patient in the room, I would have to close down my practice based on mm -hmm. Medicare rates, right? So it's, it's easy to blame the physicians, but I can tell you firsthand, it's not their fault. We're doing the best that we can. We love our patients. We spend a lot of time. The other issue that I have to bring up is not everyone wants to change their lifestyle. Most people are like, just give me the damn pill. I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, it's some, someone told me one time, it's easier to change someone's religion than diet. It has to come from 
one's one's will has to be there. It has to come from that person. I can't force it down someone's throat. You know, as good of a doctor I, as I am, if I may brag about that for a second, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I can't make you change your diet. You you have to want to. I can talk to you about about it until I'm blue in the face. But if you're not willing to, how could I? You know. Yeah, I'm smiling too and chuckling a bit because Chef AJ was on this program yesterday and said the exact same thing about changing religion. You know, religion and lifestyle and stuff like that, or change religion and their diet. And I'm like, wow, this is two days in a row. You know, this is a pretty popular saying um, that that's out there. So let's let, let's say this, Doc. Um, someone comes to you. Obviously, I think it probably starts with a tummy ache if they're going to a gastroenterologist. Um, they say, Doc, I have a problem. Um, what is the problem that you deal with? the most with your patients? Yeah, so good question, very practical. I do see a <laughs> lot of patients with abdominal pain, diarrhea, gas, bloating. I'd say, you know, honestly, gas, bloating, abdominal distension happens to be the number one complaint I get in my general uh, clinic because um, we do have um, a, a unique set of patients here in Newport Beach who are very health conscious, uh, conscious and they are actually amenable to dietary modifications to get the best health uh, possible. You know, I do ask about diet. That's the first thing I do. And the reason I do that is lactose intolerance is one of the most commonest causes um, of gastrointestinal discomfort. So I do speak about diet and, and I start by asking, what do you eat? Or, um, you know, give me a, an idea of what you do during, uh, in a day as far as your diet. So um, if, someone's ha if someone has abdominal pain, um, depends on their age. Usually after age 50, it has to be taken more seriously because the risk of cancer is higher after age 50. If I have a young kid, like, you know, in their 20s, um, complaining of abdominal pain, I usually see it in a, through a different lens because usually that's IBS related and functional pain related. Whereas someone after age 50, you think about colon cancer, you think about gastric uh, pathology. So it's really, diff it depends on their medical history, their medical background. It depends on how old they are. It depends on their family history. Everyone, whenever someone says, I have abdominal pain, you have like, you have to narrow it down to what we call a dif differential diagnosis. And um, then you use diagnostic testing, like ultrasound, CT scan, and laboratory testing to just narrow it down to the diagnosis. But for the most part, I do want to, this will hopefully make you happy that I do talk about diet. I do ask about what do you eat? Because Diet affects us on a daily basis, 24-7. So if you're not, as a gastroenterologist, if you're not inquiring about diet, you're really not giving your patient complete um, and um, well-rounded care. I read a lot about it. I talk to a lot of doctors. I watch the documentaries. I do as much research as I possibly can on layman's terms. And one thing that I see a lot um, when, when you talk about you know doctor care and what have you is maybe in the future – a doctor, and maybe like you, uh, a, a gastroenterologist, is going to actually use stool samples to find out about your patients. Kind of like I've always likened it to, you know, you go to the vet and you, you're bringing Fifi with and you got a little bag of a stool sample and the vet checks that out and knows exactly what's going on with your dog on the inside, okay? Um, are, are we ever going to get to that day? Is that is that a real thing? Because oh, yeah, I, already, I look at it and, yeah, go ahead. We already get a lot of information from the stool. You know, I can diagnose um, infections in the stomach, something called H. pylori. I can I can diagnose pancreatic insufficiency. Um, I can diagnose um, uh, gastroenteritis, uh, mm. colonic infections. How much inflammation is in somebody's body via testing a simple uh, protein called calprotectin? We already get a ton of information. There are new studies looking at how we can whether we can accurately analyze the gut microbiome and figure out what that patient should eat more of in order to improve the gut microbiome balance, um, that is coming. It is absolutely possible. <laughs> 
So it is also like down the road because I've been reading about this. So that that gut microbiome, all important. I I mean, there's billions of bacteria at work there that are helping you digest or you could starve them depending on what you eat. Um, But could we get to a point where we're seeing as kind of a regular thing, fecal transplant? So we take the fecal matter from someone who's healthy and put it into the colon of someone who's not. And now they get all that good bacteria going in their gut microbiome. And voila, we we fix some problems. are we that far away from that day? Is that is that out of the realm of possibility? We're actually doing that with an infection called C. Diff, wow. Believe it or not. Okay. So, C. diff is an infection that occurs after one has taken a course of antibiotics. Uh, most of the time, broad spectrum antibiotics because these antibiotics are fighting one infection, but they're killing off a population of gut microbiome that's actually good for you as innocent bystanders. So this other bug which is called C. diff, C. diff gets stronger and causes colitis. And so what, what you need to do is take stool from a healthy individual, transplant it in the patient who has the C. diff, and it actually works like magic. It works overnight. I remember wow. one time I, I had a patient who was dying in septic shock, like organ failure everywhere, and she her C. diff was killing her, and I gave her a stool transplant. This is about thir- 10 years ago. And she actually turned around within 24 hours. She was super healthy enough to want to get out of the hospital. It was amazing, amazing how well that works. The unfortunate thing is that we haven't found other, we haven't found that the stool transplant can help other diseases like colitis yet. We are still Hmm. like other types of colitis, like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, uh, you know, other types of uh, gastrointestinal problems or general health problems that is under investigation at the moment the utility of school transplant for other treating other diseases but i i I really do foresee that that will be it's it's coming yes it's coming down the road because we have a hundred trillion gut microbiome living in our gut and there is so much genetic contribution to our overall health through the gut microbiome there are so many enzymatic reactions that occur there's so much DNA in, in, included in the gut from, the, from mouth to anus through the 100 trillion gut microbiome that you, I can't imagine that manipulating the gut microbiome balance um, would not lead to um, metabolic changes via transplant. Absolutely. And you talked about it, even like the obesity epidemic that is hitting, um, you know, and has hit this country. I mean, when we start looking at numbers from people who were obese, and it doesn't take much to do. You, you can look at, at class pictures from the 1950s and 60s and 70s of kids and look at class pictures now. You can look at people from back then to people from now. And it's not like cookies and cakes weren't delicious in the 50s and 60s and, you know, full of the same things that they're full of now. Um, but I think we've hit a, such a point that I don't understand why aren't we talking about nutrition as a way to curb the obesity epidemic everybody will talk about these fad diets oh there's the keto diet there's the atkins diet there's the mediterranean diet there's exercise those things can be wonderful i guess in 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 doses but why aren't we talking about hey it's the food it's it's the nutrition it's what we're putting in our bodies in teaching kids at a young age that hey this is what we need to focus on rather than a lot of the the messages we get out here in the United States, which is eat more protein, eat more protein, eat more protein. And I'm like, no, we're going in the wrong direction because if that was the right direction, obesity would already be gone, wouldn't it? I mean, so so why yeah. why aren't why aren't the messages going the other way? Why aren't we focusing more I mean, on nutrition for on the obesity? TV, there's a commercial for a Big Mac um, mm-hmm. or eggs or um, Angus beef. I mean. Then, then it switches to a car commercial, and then you have an alcohol commercial, and then chips, and then of course candy bar, and then back to more meat. I mean, it's like first of all, there's a false association of the more you like that. First of all, there's a, there's this whole false association where you have to eat a bunch of meat to gain muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you, there's also this cultural thing that eating meat barbecue is manly, you know. So they show these guys on holidays barbecuing meat, and you know they're just such cool guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's such a cultural thing. It's 
industry driven you know the industry is very powerful they have a ton of money advertising their food which is not necessarily for health but it's you know corporate corporations making money it's sad you know and it doesn't matter how much land we're using to how much land we're destroying to provide this meat to the population no one cares about the air quality around um, where th these people are living around these farms and agriculture. No one cares how many people die of disease. Um, no one cares. It just, it, it just seems like very few people care. And yeah. it's just about deliciousness of the food, right? It's about um, making sure everyone has food, which is good. I'm all about that. I don't want to see child hunger. But just because we don't want hunger, it doesn't mean we want garbage food down these kids' throat, you know? So it's just it's such a huge problem. And it's like, where do we, where do we go? I mean, you have uh, even these American Heart Association. I mean, you, you have Diabetes Association. They're not even clearly conveying the right message, right? Mm -hmm. it's, the problem is that it's, it's ubiquitous everywhere and no one wants to talk about it. And, and I just feel like it has to be a grassroots movement. Every single person has to take their health in their own hands, like I did, like you did. And we have to wake up to the fact that the government doesn't care. The corporations don't care about your health. You've got to do it yourself. You really have to um, incorporate more plants in your food, in your um, diet, and you really have to engage in fitness. You have to engage in physical activity and healthy relationships and lifestyle, right? It's all about lifestyle. And if you don't do it, no one is going to help you. Your doctors are not going to be able to help you. Your The government's not going to help you. Do you see what I mean? It's just such a big problem. A absolutely. No, and, and you talk about the, the messaging that's out there, too. I mean, that's one thing that we're actually trying to fight head on. So the name of our podcast is the Real Men Eat Plants podcast instead of the Real Men Eat Meat podcast um, because there is kind of that stereotype and that propaganda that goes out there that real men eat burgers and they eat steaks and they eat bacon. And, and it's like, no, you don't have to do that to be a quote-unquote real man, whatever the, the heck that means. You could be a real man and still enjoy football and MMA and you can enjoy a beer or a barbecue if you want to. You just don't have to do it by downing copious amounts of beef and bacon and ch fried chicken and, and stuff like that. So we fight that head on every day. Yeah. You know, and, and talking about men and some men's issues, there are some men's health issues that I see out there. One, when you talk about messaging and all those commercials, you talk about car ads and Big Mac ads and what have you. Another one that pops up quite a bit is erectile dysfunction ads. And every yeah. time I see see that they're they're pushing pills on people i'm thinking to myself you know erectile dysfunction to me seems like a blood flow issue and yes. if you're not getting enough blood flow maybe you should look at your diet here a little bit yeah. and maybe change that to help that out um do, do commercials like that make you cringe a little bit and then totally. when it comes totally. comes to Every men's time. health yeah how does how, how does nutrition help with, with problems like not only yeah. erectile dysfunction but even maybe um you know problems with your prostate yeah, of course, of course. It's it, I cringe every time I see that because we know that a lot of I'm not a urologist, but one of the causes, one of the most common causes of erectile dysfunction is a vascular issue. It just like you get coronary artery plaques, just like you get a coronary artery plaque in your brain, you get that in your feet, you get that in your penis, and the penile artery is a very small artery, so it doesn't have much room for for blockages and so even a little bit of a blockage can lead to erectile dysfunction and guess what that's the herald of herald of bad news because you know what's next is your heart and you're gonna have a heart yeah. attack so instead of having commercials I mean I understand though we have these commercials because the industry is pushing their drug right so mm -hmm. how do we get the message out there that it's not just about fixing your erectile function with a pill it's about changing your diet so you prevent more disease uh, a heart attack in the future. So, you know, we, we th that's why your pod podcast exists and you're working very hard. I, I thank you for that. And that's why I'm doing interviews like this to improve, mm -hmm. to 
send the message out there and, and you know, to help people understand this. It's not about just fixing the problem. It's important to change your... So if you want to be more manly, literally, you have to eat more plants, you know? Absolutely. And it's funny because if you think about it in a psychological point of view, you know, I look at... I can, you know, for me, I'm a very feminine female and masculine to me is someone who protects, who takes care of... I would want my man to take care of me and the environment in which I live. I look at masculine men as protectors, as strong protectors who are taking care of everything and everyone around them. And um, a real masculine man, if you, if you, you know, um, if you have a pet, they would take care of the pet in the household, right? They would make sure that uh, the pet has water, food. Um, you know, if if you know, when you think about cruelty to animals, how could a masculine man who wants to take care of the animals be okay with caging little, caging mothers? Um, like, you know, they do that with pigs and with cows. They cage them in very small areas where they can't even move. And they take their babies and they shoot them and they kill them. Or um, they cage the babies to sell veal. How would that be okay with a masculine man who, who, who's there to protect the environment, who's there to protect the animals, who's there to protect the women and children. To me, that's not masculine, but hey, you know, maybe my definition of masculinity is wrong. <laughs> now, I, I think you are spot on. And, you know, you, you talk about yourself in the terms that you're, you know, very feminine. I've seen the pictures to prove it. I've seen the, uh, you know, bikini competition pictures that, that you were in. And all I could say is, wow. Um, you know, and it also looks like you could take care of yourself as well there, uh, Doc. But I, I do have to say, I mean, because you, you made a transformation. I've seen some of like the before pictures and then the after pictures. And then you're in this bikini competition competition that takes a lot of confidence i think in yourself it's got to come from the inside before it comes from the outside that level of confidence to me is kind of mind-blowing talk about what it took for you to get to that spot from where you were before you were plant-based to where all of a sudden now you're you're being competitive in in bikini competitions you're you're making uh you know videos on, on how to work out and, and what have you because that's that that's a pretty big transformation yeah, so, you know, I was just a nerdy doctor doing my thing every day, you know, just working at the hospital. And I was I was quite the geek growing up. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, oh, and then, I, of course, I had a child uh, when I was 35. And um, I was, my, my diet wasn't great. So I had a lot of health issues and I was overweight. And, you know, one day... I've been plant-based for the animals, like I said, and, and you know, my health transformed. It was amazing how, you know, every day the fat was shitting off and I was getting healthier. I was becoming very energized. Like, I literally get done more, um, I get more done than three people combined. It's really hmm. interesting. I'm time management is thing is my thing but also besides that i have so much energy to be able to time manage myself the way i do right i run a company institute of plant-based medicine where we have a multi-specialty practice i have my son who's 14 i work with him homework and cook for him every night i have um you know employees i have um, a relationship i'm in i i've got a thousand things going on and i'm balancing it all because i have energy how do I have this immense energy? It's because of my diet. But yeah, going back, I was overweight. I wasn't happy, healthy, or anything. And um, you know what I did is I transformed my body um, because I changed my diet. I was able to cut down on my on my workouts. I, I used to work out actually harder. I cut down on my workout, and I went totally plant based. And it's interesting. I was gaining muscle, losing fat. It was quite the impressive co uh, combination. And as a compelling uh, vision, I do a lot of weight loss in my clinic, help people lose weight. And you have to have a compelling vision of why you want to lose weight, right? As a compelling vision, I said, you know what? I've been a nerd my whole life. I've, you know, uh, barely ever, ever enjoyed my body in a bikini. I'm going to set up for a bikini bodybuilding competition. And I'm going to walk on that stage 30 pounds lighter. And I'm going to look like a fitness model, not a doctor. That was my compelling vision. And it took a lot of courage because, you know, 
I'd barely seen myself in a bikini and I wore that bikini on stage. But every day as I was working out, as I was eating, I pictured myself walking on that stage and that helped me um, visualize myself. I visualized it and felt it and, and, and just dreamed about it. And every day as I chose what I was going to eat, a muffin or a salad, you know, that helped me. The compelling vision kept me in check. And so I always recommend to my patients, if you want to lose weight, have a compelling vision. And you'll make your decisions, daily decisions based on what fits your goals. Your vision definitely came true. Mission accomplished. You look fantastic. You were also, you know, talking about that energy and your energy is legendary to the point you were even featured in a book. It's called Legends of Change, highlighting 15 vegan women impacting the world with the aforementioned Donsi Bausch, who um, we were talking about as well. Talk about, you know, being a part of that and being recognized uh, for something like that, because I, I think that's absolutely amazing, too, that someone would say, you know what, this woman is making a difference not only in herself not only for her family but actually impacting the world you know it's all about giving i to me i was i was not put on this earth to destroy the resources i'm given and take 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 it's to me um you know i was i was given this um this opportunity to help the animals to help people to help the environment and i'm so thankful so thankful that i can give back um, I'm lucky because I have everything I've ever wanted. And I'm just so privileged to be named among all these amazing people in that book. It's it's like, pinch me. You know, I'm <laughs> next to Dotsy, for God's sakes. And she's one of the most wonderful women, humans I've ever met in my life. And I, it was such an honor. I can't even uh, tell you how thankful I am. But, but yeah, you know, they say if you work very hard, once in a while you're lucky. And I do work very hard. I put in uh, 12 to 18 hour days sometimes and mm. I work and work and work and I all I want is to leave this universe a better place than I came into and I want to give back as much as I can so I work very hard but once in a while I get lucky too <laughs> Yeah, you, you've been doing a great job of it. Luck has definitely found you, but I think luck is created by what you're actually doing, and that's that's why it's following you. So, Doc, um, where can people find you, like like online? Where can they find your book, on social media, stuff like that? If you could let everybody know about that, and especially if they want to even seek, seek your counsel and maybe, you know, see you and uh, you know professionally as, as their doctor, uh, how do people find you then? Yeah, so I would it be my pleasure to see people in California. We we only see patients in California because we're mm -hmm. um, licensed in California, and so our number is nine four nine four zero four 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 four. Or you can email us info at iopbm dot com. Info at iopbm dot com. That's our email, and our website is www.iopbm.com. And it would be a pleasure. We are taking new patients, and we we have a variety of services, including gastroenterology, cardiology. Um, we love to help people become healthier than ever and uh, help them lose weight. Um, we also have mental health specialists and dietitians. So give us a call. Come on in. <laughs> Absolutely love it, Doc. You have been awesome today. We appreciate your time so much. I mean, thank you for being so generous with it. And um, I think you're going to make an impact even with our audience right here. I'm sure uh, that they are loving what they have heard. So thank you, Doc. Thank you.